0: Welcome to the office flip-flops podcast. My name is Francesca Zampaglione and I am an entrepreneur, confidence builder, resilience connoisseur, and a lover of all things coffee. Each week we'll bring you inspirational people and messages that will guide you to unleashing the best version of yourself. Let's dive in. Hey everybody, it's Francesca. Welcome to today's episode of Office Flip Flops. Thank you so much for being here. I so appreciate you. I know there's a lot of things competing for your time. So today's episode is a little longer than usual because my guest, Julie Ryan, has some incredible stories. So Julie Ryan is a businesswoman who transitioned to a psychic and medical intuitive. And she shares all of this incredible juicy information in the episode today. So it's a little longer, and I invite you to take a longer walk than usual, maybe a longer drive and enjoy the show. So and you'll want to definitely listen to the end because Julie has a surprise that she she offers to all of us who listen. So remember to like and subscribe and follow the show. You can also check it out on my YouTube channel and all of the links are in the show notes. Now let's get started. My friends, I'm calling today podcast party day because I have such an inspirational guest here with me today. Her name is Julie Ryan. And where we cross is I offer inspiration And she's an entrepreneur and she does amazing things. I will briefly uh, read her bio to you. Julie Ryan's a businesswoman, an inventor, an author, international podcast. Uh, That's how I know Julie, by the way. She has her show called Ask Julie Ryan, listened to by millions of people in hundreds of countries. Um, She's an inventor of surgical devices, sold globally, has founded nine companies, in five different industries, Julie Ryan, I don't know how you have time to be with me today and how I also know Julie is she's a psychic medium and medical intuitive. She has such an an incredible story. Julie, let's just let's just start talking about the great things that you
1: do. Say hello to everybody. Hi everybody. I- just delighted to be here. You are just such a doll, baby. And that first time we spoke, I said, "Oh, this is a special woman." So, oh, um, thank you, I'm, Julie. I'm delighted to talk to you for any reason at any time.
0: Oh, well, that is so sweet of you. So, you know, I started listening to your show about a year ago, and I've learned so much, and couldn't wait to all for this. You know, when we met, you're like. I'll be on your show. And I'm like, of course you will. I love it. Like, I'm so honored because you help people, Julie, and something that is so hard for us, right? So if you're listening, perhaps you've lost someone in your life who's close to you, or maybe you haven't, but there will be a time that you will lose someone in your life. And dealing with death is so hard personally, emotionally, it's lonely, and you really help and provide comfort in this time. You've written a book, which we'll talk about in a few moments, but I want everybody to understand how you went from this incredible business person to doing this psychic and medical intuitive work. What brought you to
1: that? Well, I was interested in learning how to be an energetic healer. And I was given a book called Anatomy of the Spirit by Carolyn Mays. Gosh, over 30 years ago, Fran, and she called herself a medical intuitive. And I thought, what the heck is that? I had been in the medical business for decades, was for 30 years as a, started out as a sales rep and then started my first company at 25 and invented, as you mentioned, some surgical devices. So I was very involved in helping people heal, but this woman called herself a, a medical intuitive. And I'd never heard that term before. So I read her book and then I wanted to know more. And back then we didn't have the internet yet. So I did the old fashioned thing and I went to a Barnes and Noble bookstore. (laughs) Just because I thought, well, I could go to the library, but Barnes and Noble may have more up-to-date things than the Uh library. And I found a book called Hands of Light by Barbara Brennan who is a former NASA physicist, who parlayed very complex quantum physics principles into understandable English for the non-scientific mind. That would be me. And she taught how to use energy healing to help facilitate people getting well. So I read her book and then I called her school and I said, do you guys have anybody in my area teaching this stuff? And sure enough, they did. And so I studied with a woman named Susan Austin Crumpton, for which she's still a dear friend, and I usually talk to her about once a month. But huh. thirty years ago, I I really spent about six years and paid the equivalent of what it would cost to get an MD or a PhD to learn this stuff. And at the time, people were saying, "Why are you doing this?" Because I still was a wife and a mom and a businesswoman, and you know, I I didn't mean, I was busy. And so people said, "Why are you doing this?" I said, "I don't know." And they said, "What are you gonna do with it?" I don't know. I had no idea. And so here I am five five years later, five, six years i I go I decided okay i'm I'm gonna do something with this." I had sold my surgical device manufacturing company, and I thought, "All right, what's next right?" And Here's who I am. And that's that's a whole nother story of how this all, how that all came to be that I'll be delighted to share when when we have a moment. Sure.
0: Well, it's it's an incredible story because I think it's important to pay attention to our inner guidance. And I believe that's what you did, right? Like listen to um your interests and pursue them, which is exactly what you did in learning something that was completely different from you know what you went to college for, right?
1: Well, and I was doing that all along. We all get guidance all day long. And most of us just don't pay attention to it. We think, okay, we'll get to that later. We'll get to that later. When stuff keeps coming up and you keep thinking, okay, I need to do this. Mm. Yeah, I'll do it later. I need to do this. Yeah, I'll do it later. Well, that's guidance coming from spirit. And for me, obviously for a girl with a communications degree to invent surgical devices, how does that work? For me to be in five different industries that I didn't know anything about, how does that work? Right. So I think we all have enough experiences in our lives. And one of my mottos is, I just trust that the people that I need are going to show up exactly when I need them. Uh-huh. And they do. They always do. I love that because the more I
0: listen to you and just listening to you now, uh, tuning into the you call them divine downloads, right? Paying attention to our intuition. And I love that because that's truly how I feel sometimes. Like, I don't know where the answers come from, but it just came in and I paid attention to it. Mm-hmm. So that's incredible. There, um, There's also a story about, you know, you guiding people through the death experience the, you know, the loved ones, which is why you wrote your book, which is, um, angelic attendance, what really happens as we transition from this life into the next. Let's talk about that for a moment or two, because that is something you help people with, right? Um, Only the, because there's that other side. And I'll share that my eyes were open when I my father transitioned. It was 21 years. It'll be 21 years in November. And I saw some things that the hospice nurse guided me and explained a couple of things. And hospice nurses are like you, Julie, they're like cherubs on this earth here to help us understand. And I really had no idea what was happening, but you have this incredible resource that it's available to everyone. So let's talk about this incredible source that you have about the 12 stages of transition. So people don't think we're
1: talking in code. <laughs> <laughs> secret secret code, yeah, exactly. Yeah. When we all die, Obviously we don't, we, none of us get out of that. We're all going to die. We're all going to lose loved ones. And as the person is dying, the spirit exits through the top of the head, Fran, and it holds on to the body. Like it looks like a speech bubble to me in a cartoon that you would see where the character's thoughts or words that they're speaking are in the cartoon. And then there's a sequence of events that I call the 12 phases of transition. And it's a configuration of angels and the spirits of deceased loved ones and pets that change their position as the person's getting closer and closer to death. And it's really so heartwarming to see it. It adds a glorious component to what is normally a heart-wrenching experience. And there are several phenomena that happen to everybody and I, I'm happy to talk about those two. Yeah. Number one, the person or the spirit that runs the show from the spirit world. I expected God to send an angel. Maybe like you hear about the death angel in movies or books, right? or I thought maybe it was a person's guardian angel who, by the way, stays with us through all of our lifetimes. I think that's pretty fun that that's yeah. the case. Or I thought... You know, maybe God had a a department in heaven that dispatched angels to help people at the end of their life to, to die. That's not what I find my experience in doing this with thousands and thousands of people over the years. And the stories I get from people who've read my books is that it's the maternal spirit closest to the person who's dying is the one that shows up first and runs the show from the spirit world. Wow. brings in the angels, brings in the other spirits, brings in the, you know, the pet spirits and all of that. And it's, if your mother's still alive, it's going to be your maternal grandmother. If she's still alive, it's going to be her mother, your maternal yeah. great grandmother, always on the maternal side, which I think is interesting. Yeah. And the, the other thing that is the most fascinating to me is about halfway through, there are extra angels. Now these angels, friend, look like big old angels. I'm a girl that went to Catholic school for, for 12 years. So yep. angels look to me like they look in the statuary and the paintings. And I was taught that's what angels look like. So they are big in my mind. They got white gowns. They got big wings, you know, belted a uh, gown at the waist with a rope, bare feet. So, mm. angels really look like. Well, that's what they look like to me because that's how I was taught they look. Mm-hmm. So, somebody who grows up in an indigenous culture, say in the middle of the Amazon, an angel energy may look just like a blob of purple fog. Right. But spirits always going to communicate to us in a way that it makes sense to us based on our human frame of reference. So we can identify and get a sense for what it is. So about phase six, halfway through the 12 phases, there are these two extra angels that show up on either side of the spirit bubble. Now they're in addition to the other angels. I call them guardian angels. The Person's main guardian angel is there, but other guardian angels that the parent spirits are at the feet of the person who's dying. And the other angels form a circle with the parents anchoring that circles. Wow. As, as the person gets closer and closer to death, that circle opens up into a horseshoe and eventually a straight line across the foot of the bed. And so it's interesting to me that the mom brings in the angels, brings in the, you know, the other spirits, but phase six, two extra angels show up on either Hmm. side of the spirit bubble that's attached to the top of the head. And then about phase nine, their wings, these angels that are on either side of the spirit bubble, their wings start to move. Well, the first time I saw all this was when my own mother was dying in 2002 Mm. and I, and I had, I was into my woo woo lessons by then, but I'd never seen anything like this, nor read anything like it. And so these wings started to move and I thought, all right, this has, this is going to have an effect and it's going to help her transition. I don't know what's going to happen yet, but it's going to be interesting to watch. In the meantime, I'm grieving my mother's dying, you know, so I felt like I was on a teeter totter. One side was, oh, my mom's dying. And the other side was, oh my God, this is amazing. And how glorious, which is, I think where we're supposed to be. When we're yeah. losing a loved one, so yeah. the wings start to move. They reminded me of a giant owl. If you've ever watched a documentary or a story about a giant owl, their wings are silent, but they're they, you can almost feel the drag when they mm. glide. You know they they don't fly super fast. Their wings don't go like a hummingbird wing. They're, right. they're slow, rhythmic movement. So, I'm watching these angels' wings do this. And in doing that movement, what's happening is there's a vortex that's forming above the person's head. And I could feel an upward pull from it, Fran, and I could hear it. And it reminds me of when we're in the car wash at the end and they turn the dryers on and it's sucking all the water up the top of your car. That's what this this reminds me of every time I see it. And that's where the spirit, goes through that tunnel, or in this case, a funnel, this vortex that's spinning, and that's what helps the spirit separate from the body. Wow. Two two interesting points about this. Number one, anybody who's read or heard somebody talk about a near-death experience, most of them mention going through a tunnel. Yep. That's the vortex they're going through. That's number one. Number two, When I was writing Angelic Attendance, I was led again. I had a divine download. I had a thought in my head to just do an internet search on owl wings vortex. I did come to find out there's this thing called the wingtip vortex. No kidding, it causes lift to anything that flies any plane, any jet, any bird, any kite, any bug. And it's these there if you Google wingtip vortex. You will see just, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of pictures of these vortices underneath a jet wing of aeronautical engineering drawings. It happens to everything that flies. So I thought, okay, this is something happening in the spirit world that has an effect in our world, in our physical world. I can see it. I can hear it. I can feel it. And that's what helps the body release. So
0: I love it. Wow. when
1: science catches up with woo woo. Don't you?
0: Oh my goodness. So it's Julie, you are a psychic. Cause you know, that was one, of, that's one of my questions is what let's talk about that bridge when science catches up to woo woo, because, you know, I'm sure there are skeptics out there before they listen to this, maybe even after, um, and that's okay. But I love the the bridge that you create in connecting science
1: to woo. Well, a couple of interesting points about that. Most people that have been with a loved one who's dying, their their family member or friend or spouse or whomever will report. University based research says that ninety percent of people see the spirits of deceased loved ones and pets as they're getting close to the end of their life. Uh, 90%.
0: 90%. My 90%. ladies and gentlemen, that's a lot more than 50. Like 90 is a high number.
1: It's a high number. And before we all just thought, oh, grandma's hallucinating. You know, she's seeing her dead mother who's been gone for 80 years. Well, no, grandma's not hallucinating. Right. This is really happening. That's number one. The other thing is, Fran, I believe since the beginning of time, people have been able to see this phenomenon again, being raised Catholic, there's a prayer set at the end of every Catholic funeral, and it's called in paradisum and it's Latin for into paradise. And it talks about the angels and your loved ones will greet you and lead you into paradise. Mm. That's what I see in my mind's eye. So in writing the book, I researched that as well. And I learned that that prayer in Paradisum originated as a fifth century Gregorian chant. Wow. And so I have to believe that perhaps it took till the fifth century till people were well educated enough that they could read and write. And certainly those people were normally men living in synagogues and monasteries. Mm -hmm. So. Somebody wrote that down and it was something that we, everybody could see and experience. And I think some of that was lost in the past, maybe hundred years, 150 years where we've become way more evidence-based. Right. And the, the evidence for this phenomenon is, is your grandmother who's dying, is she seeing deceased loved ones? Is she seeing her husband? Is she seeing her dog that died four years ago? who right. she's seeing. That's number one. Number two, my book is full of really heartwarming stories about working with families and what the just absolutely miraculous and, and seemingly serendipitous things that happened, but there weren't any coincidences there. It was all, right. I, always, I always say, you can't make this stuff up.
0: You can't make it up because again, I listen to all of your episodes and it's story after story after story that you just cannot... You, you just can't, um, like, uh, you just can't, just repeating what you said. But, you know, um, you mentioned, you know, NDEs, near-death experiences. For me, my fascination with them started easily 15 years ago. I read my first book by Anita Morjani Dying yeah. to Be Me. Right. Um, and she's very well known in this space. And then now it's like every time I find one i have to read that book and i even had someone as a podcast guest who had a near death experience and again it's it's not woo woo because he did not make up the part that he died and he felt guilty for years and you know the story goes on and on um but the other thing i i want to share here is about spirits sometimes people have this belief Julie, that there are bad spirits out there and we're approaching Halloween where a lot of people, you know, poke fun. And I thought it would be a good, um, excuse me, question, but what's your feeling on bad
1: spirits and good spirits? All spirits are pure love. There are no such things as evil spirits at all. They are fabricated by cultures and civilizations and religions to control the masses. Because what controls people the most is fear. Fear. And the the interesting thing to your point about Halloween approaching is, who's made the most money off of scaring people for entertainment? The publishing <laughs> industry, the movie industry. Movies.
0: Movies. That's right.
1: Yeah. I was talking with somebody this morning who's in the movie industry, and she worked on some horror show. I said, my goodness, these horror shows. But what are they trying to do? They're trying to elicit an emotional response, right. whether it be good or bad, because we're all hardwired for fear. And every once in a while, somebody will say, oh, I've got this evil spirit that's following me, and they're telling me all this derogatory stuff and being abusive. I, go, I said, yeah, that's your brain. That's not an evil spirit. And interestingly enough, I'll have people that will say, my mom was like the bitch from hell. She's the last person I went with me at the end of my life when I'm dying. And I'll say the personality traits stay with the body. When somebody dies, all spirits are pure love. And that whole judgment thing happens on earth happens when we're in the human perspective. What I've heard unlimited times from spirit over the years is there's not a judgment situation in heaven. They look at every experience as, Ooh, this is cool. What are you going to create from that? That's an interesting experience. What's next? And we're we're looking at it as this is horrific. How could you say it's cool? I've just heard it so many times that doesn't make sense to me in my human mind, but is it feasible? Yeah. And I'll find out for sure when I'm in heaven,
0: may I share with you
1: how the book even came about?
0: Would you please? I would love that story. Yes.
1: I was with my mentor, Susan, and she was doing a healing on me. And when I'm laying on a massage table in her office, and she's doing an energy healing on me, my deceased loved one's spirits line both sides of the, I'm on a massage table. Mm -hmm. And one day this dead Pope shows up, and he's got his Pope hat and his whole Pope outfit on and his, his staff, you know, like the shepherd staff. And I, and Susan could see him too. And I said, well, who are you? And he said, I'm Clement. And I said, well, I've never heard of a Pope Clement. And he laughed and he said, well, I was number six. I was like, okay, how may I help you? Kind of like, why are you here? <laughs> I was polite, but. I'm thinking Yeah. Right. What are you doing here? Yeah. Are you a relative? What, what right. is it? How, how can I help you? And he said, you're supposed to teach the world what happens when somebody dies. Mm. And I said, uh, I'm not doing that. I'm a businesswoman. People will think I'm nuts. And he said, yeah, 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 whatever. You know what happens. It's been so bastardized over the millennia. People are so afraid. They don't yeah. know if they're going to fly or fry yep. when they die. People are so afraid to die. And he said, it's nuts. It's crazy because it's glorious. So you're supposed to teach the world what happens. So I said, well, thanks for the suggestion, but I'm not doing that. So (laughs) I left Susan's office, Fran. I get in my car to go home and I just for kicks, I looked up on my phone, Pope Clement the sixth, come to find out this guy was in office during the black plague when two thirds of Europe died and he's best known for his prayers for the dead and his, you know, and the, his prayers for the dying. And I'm thinking, wow. Ryan, you just can't make that up. No, you can't. So <laughs> I, I procrastinated and I'm thinking, eh, yeah, yeah, I I, that's just, I don't, I don't want to do that. I'm happy to help people. I know that kind of thing. So one Sunday at church, we're sitting in the pew, my son's on one side of me, my husband's on the other side and our parish priest from the pulpit says, would it be nice if we knew if we're surrounded by angels and we all go to heaven when we die? Oh my goodness. I'm getting elbowed on e- from either side. My husband and my son are going like, hello, he's talking to you. <laughs> and, and so I said, okay, God, really from the pulpit? Really? <laughs> and so that that was the final <laughs> nudge that I needed to go ahead and write angelic attendance. And now it's given as a funeral book. Actually, I have one here. Have there it is. Props. Um, it's given as a funeral gift to somebody who's lost somebody. There are many churches and synagogues of all denominations around the country that give it to every family that comes in to plan a funeral, including my parish. Um. And and it's given. A lot of the time when somebody is at the end of their lives, because it really helps comfort them and give the family comfort as well.
0: It's so beautiful, Julie, the work that you do, because comfort is so, it's so important in understanding what our loved ones are going through, because then it helps us um, be there for them, right? And then when they transition, that we can be with them and understand. So I want to share that when you and I met, you know, again not making stuff up. When you and I had our first um, call, you're like, "Did your mother pray the rosary?" And I, and I'm like, "Julie, she was in the rosary club. Like, how would you know that? You are in Alabama." I'm in the, you know, I'm further north and outside of Philadelphia. It was our first call, my friends. We can't make these things up. And I was so comforted in knowing that, you know, that is something that always brought her peace, right? That's what she always wished for. And I have a, um, and then we talked about what it was made of and how important it was to her and having it in her casket. And I just wanted to share that personal story because you continue to light the world up, Julie, in and, and times when it's sometimes so dark. And I and I just adore you for just pro, proceeding with doing this incredible work and, and helping so many people. And she has a show, my friends, that anybody could call into, and I'll put all the links at the end, but I don't want to end it quite yet. I want to perhaps share... If you have some advice for somebody who's struggling and they haven't, I'm hoping that everybody hears this message and listens to your show. What can we start to think about um, in in being there for people? Perhaps we don't, perhaps it's the first time we're, we're experiencing a death or
1: it's our best friend's spouse. How can we be there for somebody? Just listen to them listen and just sometimes you just don't even have to say anything you're just there just your presence is there and they they know that that you're there to support them and and say just say i'm here you let me know if i can do anything for you and i'm i'm just here and then i had a gal call into my show last night i had one gal call in who had read the book and she had lost her mom And that was very sweet. She talked about how this information was so comforting. And then I had another woman who had a friend whose mother was dying and the friend didn't believe in any of this stuff. And I said, when you leave, just leave a copy of my book sitting around on a table or something because- They may pick it up and look at it. And if you leaf through it, it has illustrations of the configuration of angels and deceased loved ones. And by Uh the way, everybody goes through the 12 phases of transition, regardless of whether you die instantly, like in a case of homicide or suicide or prolonged over days, weeks, months, years, even it's all the same because time doesn't exist in the spirit world. Time's a human creation. And the other thing I think that's really important is our heads are big satellite dishes and they receive and they transmit frequencies. Everybody has this ability. I learned it. Right. Everybody comes in with it. It's just a matter of developing and enhancing it. And little children are very good at uh-huh. intuitive things. And then about the age of six or seven, they've had the adults in their life say, oh, honey, you just have an imaginary friend. You have a very vivid imagination. That friend's really not there. right? Or my deceased grandfather, who you're saying comes to visit you. And oftentimes the children will know things that there's no way they could have known because they never met that deceased grandfather. In their case, it would be their great grandfather. Parents discount it and Uh teachers and friends Uh and- and other adults. So that's why I wrote my series of children's books so that we can have the conversation with children because it's an amazing ability to be able to get guidance intuitively and helps people live a a more glorious life. Uh I think the best thing that we can do is just be there with them. Offer our support. I had on my show a woman whose son died by suicide, mm. and I asked her the question. I said, "What can we do?" A funeral food is a thing. I had another right. gal on my show that we talked about funeral food. She wrote a book about it, which was hilarious. Oh,
0: that's right. It was that was a
1: great episode. Yeah, that was hilarious. Da- <laughs> hilarious. Data Gashman is her name, mm-hmm. and she's a mm-hmm. she's a New York Times reporter. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, what's the deal with funeral food And in her book, it's so funny. She says, now don't be bringing, you know, string beans and, and, uh, diet food. You need mashed potatoes and mac and cheese and comfort food yes. for people when they that's right. So this gal who had lost her son, she said, food is great, but most people don't have enough refrigerator space to handle all of the food that comes so maybe you bring packages of paper towels and toilet paper Uh or you bring something else that's just a regular thing that they're going to need because they may be in such shell shock that they the thought of going out to the store just is too overwhelming for them Uh so bring Bring like household supplies to them. Coffee,
0: napkins, you know, creamer, sugar, because, you know, in my household, there was always coffee flowing for people that were coming in and out. So what, yes, and pay attention to the culture and perhaps there's stuff that's relevant to that household, right? Exactly.
1: The other thing about connecting with spirit, once you have a communication with spirit, it doesn't, you didn't have to know the person. In order Man. to communicate with them who do you want to talk to you want to talk to your dead grandma do you want to talk to elvis do you want to talk to george washington do you want to talk to napoleon who do you want to talk to you think of them that tunes your satellite dish head to their frequency much Man. like a radio station or a satellite tv station because every spirit has a frequency they keep throughout all their lifetimes and then that opens a channel kind of like a two-way radio friend. Mm. And you can communicate. They're going to answer you. It's going to come in like a thought in your head. It's going to happen as fast as you can snap your fingers or before. Sometimes you even have the thought all the way out. Because, again, time doesn't exist in the spirit world. Wow. And that that goes for everything. As you know, I'm a buffet of psychicness. You're a so buffet of psychicness. I'm Yay, buffet, I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> yeah. So you can... Help facilitate energetic healings. Remember, that's what got me into this in the first place. Right. You, I'm like a human MRI and I watch healings happen energetically. I facilitate that. It's spirit working through me and with me. Nobody heals anybody else. We all heal ourselves, but doctors and healers and others, we help us heal ourselves.
0: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. There's
1: that. You can do past life stuff. You can tell how close to death somebody is. You can talk to pets. You can. Gosh, it's just endless once we connect with spirit. Mm -hmm. So rich.
0: It's such an incredible, rich experience. Julie, in all of this great work that you get to do, is there a favorite piece of clothing or accessory that you like to wear? And how does it make you feel?
1: When I'm working, you mean, or just period? How about period? Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Great question. My wedding ring, of course, that would be the first thing. And I don't wear it every day. Uh-huh. I, I, I'm, not okay. do, I'm not dolled up if I'm talking to clients all day on the phone. because right. somebody's You don't have me. to. Be. So I don't worry about scaring anybody, you know, right. I don't have makeup on and stuff. So I would say that I have a lot of jewelry that was my late mother's and both of my grandmothers and also my little sister passed when we buried uh, her on her 50th birthday. That was awful. Oh, my heart. Oh, and so I have a lot of their costume jewelry that I wear on the show and wear when I'm being interviewed. And that gives me a lot of joy. And then I I buy jewelry, usually necklaces and brooches and things like that a lot. Uh-huh. I'll get them from estates. Uh-huh. And I feel like, okay, somebody's mother or grandmother loved wearing this piece and they're gone and the family's selling their stuff because it's too right. much. To keep. And so I feel like I can enjoy it now. And I have a piece of that mother or grandmother that I hadn't ever met, but her energy is right. in there. And then I can, you know, have her share with me how much I enjoy wearing yep. their jewelry, which I, I get love a that answer. out of. Yeah, I, I love it. that answer.
0: I can see the the bright smile on your face, knowing that you're a part of someone else's history and how I'm sure they're thrilled that you're wearing their piece of jewelry, right? Just like my favorite is my mother's engagement ring, right? This, this was the only thing that I wanted and it helps me feel that she's here with me, right? It's that beautiful reminder. Julie, this has been so incredible. Um, where can people find you and I'll put all of the links in the show notes. Where's the best place for people to reach out to you?
1: AskJulieRyan.com. Everything's at AskJulieRyan.com. All my social medias, Ask Julie AskJulieRyan. My YouTube channels, AskJulieRyan. We're on all the podcast networks. We're on Alexa. We're on Audible. Everything's at AskJulieRyan. And by the way, anybody that would like the 12 phases of transition, there's a chart of the 12 phases. If you go to askJulieRyan.com, there's a free downloadable chart. And when somebody has a loved one at the end of their lives, I'll say, download that chart and put it on your phone. So yes. for easy access. And then just ask, what phase of transition is my mom in? What phase is my granddad in? And you're going to hear a number in your head. And then you can refer to the chart that's on your phone. And then you can If your loved one is progressing through the stages rapidly, you Mm -hmm. can think, I say by about that stage, like eight-ish, nine-ish, you want to be bringing the family in. Even if they're out of town, you want to be getting getting people in to say goodbye at that point. And what I find is that when people do that and they share that chart with their family members, it brings so much comfort as they're doing the death watch at the end of their loved one's life it's really helpful.
0: It's so helpful. And, um, I'll put that link to make it easy in the show notes for everyone. But like you said, it is on the website. I've checked it out and it is so fascinating to see like the number of spirits that show up at the end of life. So, um, it's beautiful your work is amazing Julie I'm holding my heart because I think you're an amazing human being and so grateful to you to your work and for your time because you're a busy you're a busy woman doing incredible things thank you so much
1: oh my honor I have a gift for all your listeners that want it may I oh share my goodness. That? Please, oh my goodness, I forgot. Okay. I'm so glad that you brought that up. Yes, yeah. I wrote it down and I was so excited. Yes, so Angelic attendance, what really happens as we transition from this life to the next. Anybody that wants a free copy of this, just go to Julie Ryan gift, J-U-L-I-E-R-Y-A-N dot. Julie Ryan Gift, J U L I E R Y A N G I F T dot com, Julie Ryan Gift.com. Say, hey, I heard you on Fran's show. I'd love a copy of your book. And we'll send you a link to a free digital and audiobook download of it. And then if you want a copy, a digital copy of one of my children's books, this is an oh, example. They are there's four oh, of them, that. and it's called angel messages. For kids, for cats, for dogs, and for truth. And the illustrations Aww. are just darling. They so, are. So you can, um, you know, if you have kids or grandkids and you'd like one of those, just mention it in the notes at julieryangift.com. And we'll be delighted to share it with you. And please feel free to share it with your family and your friends as well. Thank you so much, Julie. I so pre- That is so generous of you um,
0: because it is, truly a gift. I think that it's so easy to give. And so it helps us explain something that a lot of us didn't know about until you. So thank you so much, Julie. I so appreciate you. I love you actually. So can I just say that? I love you, Julie, Ryan. I love thank you back, girl.
1: I love you. Thank back. you. All okay. right. Bye-bye. Bye everybody.
0: Wow, what did you think about that? Hopefully you listened to the end because you can download your free copy. I do have a link in the show notes. In the meantime, let's talk about my top three takeaways of my time with Julie today. Number one, we all get guidance all day long and just don't pay attention to it. So when stuff keeps coming up and you say, I need to do this, that's guidance coming from spirit. Number two, spirit is always going to communicate with us in a way that makes sense to us based on our human frame of reference so we can identify and get a sense of what it is. And number three, university-based research says that 90% of people see the spirits of deceased loved ones and pets as they're getting close to the end of their life. 90% my friends. So grandma is not hallucinating because that is really what's happening. And the bonus takeaway is this. So if you're not sure what to do when someone is grieving, just listen, just be there and don't worry about saying anything. And perhaps in lieu of food, bring household items like paper products, coffee, or something that is regular that they need. The only They only have so much room in their fridge, as Julie mentioned. So that's it for today, my friends. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time. I hope today's episode inspired you. Make sure you check out the show notes with the important links for my guest. And if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the show. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend via text or on social media and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let me know what your favorite takeaway was on social media. I love hearing the feedback from you and it helps make this show better. And if no one has told you today, I want to remind you that you matter, you are not alone, and to stay inspired by what you heard today. Thank you.